This is Update One, the podcast of the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. Update One provides a forum for listeners to learn about national and international stories, focusing on journalism and communication issues, news and politics. Now, the latest edition of Update One. My name is Janice Law. I'm a member of the Broadcast Committee of the National Press Club. This podcast offers practical resources for journalists who may wish to expand their coverage with features or news stories about the U.S. Senate and specifically about the 2019 Centennial Celebration this year. To speak about those resources, our interviewee today is the historian of the U.S. Senate, Betty Coed. Welcome to the National Press Club podcast, Ms. Coed. Briefly tell us your academic background and experience. I have a MA and PhD in political history from the University of California, and I was teaching history when I got my job at the Senate. I came to the Senate a little over 20 years ago in 1998 and served as the deputy historian for many years, and then in 2015 I was appointed as the Senate historian and the director of the Senate Historical Office. What uh, information resources does your office offer? And for journalists specifically, I know you also offer resources to the public, but for journalists specifically, what percentage do you have of, of your queries that you answer that are news and which percentage are features? For journalists, I would say probably 75 to 80 percent are actually news driven. Um, questions. The others would be features. On a daily basis, we answer questions from reporters from all media about what's happening in the Senate, what's the historical background for it, what are precedents for it, and just to help put them into the current stories into a broader historical context. Could you describe some of your resources? I understand they're considerable and that people can also come there in person Mm -hmm. or they can uh, do it online, some of it's digitized? Mm -hmm. We do have wonderful resources available both in person and online. If you come to our office in 201 of the Hart Senate Office Building, you will find a staff of 10 who are deeply uh, trained in and passionate about Senate history. We have three historians on staff as well as three archivists. We also have a collection of thousands of reference files that we have collected over the last 40 years since the historical office was created. And those files just covered every aspect of Senate history from 1789 to the present. It might be something that is a, a little known event like the annual reading of the Washington Farewell Address, which happens every February, a tradition that dates back to the Civil War era and has been done every year since the turn of the century. And it might also be something very noteworthy or something very significant, like the confirmation hearings for Clarence Thomas in 1991. Any institutional topic is covered in our reference files. We also have thousands of pages of historical material available online on the Senate website. And uh, again, those are wide ranging. There's statistical information, there's biographical information, essays about the evolution and development of the Senate, its powers, its procedures, its constitutional role. We also have hundreds of stories about uh, senators and events, both trivial and significant. And we have uh, the link to the biographical directory there where you can get statistical information about every person who's ever served in the Senate. And we also have online transcripts for about 50 of our oral history interviews. 
when journalists contact you, they're often on deadline. Mm-hmm. Do you work with them, and you're you're comfortable with doing that? And journalists working on deadline and yes. provide the information quickly. Yes, we we know journalists have a have a short time frame that they're dealing with. So when people call our office, we do our best to answer questions as quickly and as accurately as we can. Uh, we do have a 24-hour turnaround for con- for returning calls to anyone. But if someone calls us and tells us they're working on a three o'clock deadline or something like that, we'll do our best to get the information to them. Now we're open from nine to six every day, and we're we don't have after-hours questions. And so if you want to reach us, you have to reach us during office hours, but we'll do our best to get information to you. I should note that we don't discuss current issues or current senators. We only talk about former senators, but for that, in those categories, we're happy to help in any way we can. What is your website or the specific way journalists would contact you? Well, the quickest way is to contact us by phone at 202-224-6900. You can also email us at historian at sec.senate.gov. And you can also um, come see us in 201 of the Hart Building, or you can visit us online at www.senate.gov history. What are some of the more unique questions you've researched yourself, you meaning you personally and your office, about the history of the U.S. Senate? What are some of the unique things? Well, we have lots of projects that we have underway all the time, and each of us has our own area of expertise. So Kate Scott, for instance, one of my deputy historians, is an expert in Senate investigations, and so she's always digging deeply into issues of the Watergate hearings or the McCarthy hearings or the Teapot Dome hearings or the Titanic investigation. Dan Holt, my other deputy historian, is our expert on the the evolution of Senate rules and procedures, and so he He's currently taking a very long-range look at the development of filibuster and cloture in the Senate. I myself have done a good deal of research on Senate impeachment trials, on Senate nomination confirmation hearings, and also on women of the Senate is one of my areas of expertise as well. So we have active research projects going on in all of those fields and many, many others as well. You uh, segued right into my next question the United States Centennial. Tell us what that celebrates, what it's commemorating, and then about some of the oral histories, which we touched on before, that were part of that. Okay. We are coming into our, what is essentially a two-year commemoration of the Centennial of the Women's Suffrage Amendment, uh, the 19th Amendment to the Constitution. The Senate passed the amendment on June 4th of 1919, so we are celebrating that centennial this year. The amendment was ratified in 1920, so we'll be celebrating that um, uh, centennial next year. And to prepare for that, we have launched a special oral history project we're calling the Women of the Senate Oral History Project. We started this about two years ago in anticipation of this centennial. And we have worked very hard to interview all former female senators as well as many female staff. We're doing the very best we can to try to capture the wide-ranging experience of women on Capitol Hill, and particularly women who work in the Senate and the Senate environment. It's a wonderful way for us to capture their memories, to capture their institutional knowledge, and to make sure that those stories are not forgotten in the process. 
This is just part of our broader oral history project, which has been ongoing since 1975. Over the years, Senate historians have interviewed hundreds, have done hundreds of interviews with people, and many of those interviews are open to research. They offer a really unique perspective on Senate history, a very personal perspective from these individuals. And we have transcripts about of about 50 of those interviews available online on Senate.gov if you go to the Oral History Project there. We've done many others that are in the office, some available for research, but not all online. It takes us a while to get them up online, so it takes a, there's a little turnover time. And then we have some that are still closed to research, but will open at a future date. Do you kind of rotate the oral history so that some are on for a couple months and then others are on? We have a collection that are there just permanently that the most, I'd say probably the most used interviews that we have. But then we also feature different ones from time to time. So every month or two, we will put up a different feature for an oral history project. Or if we have a new collection like this women's collection, that will become a featured element of the project in the years ahead. Could you describe where on the website uh, someone would look for the women's collect, the collection mm -hmm. of women's oral history? If you go to Senate.gov and uh, click on Art and History, that will bring you to the history portion of the website, where you'll find all of our resources that we have online. And when those interviews become available in 2020, they will be there as a featured item, but also under, you'll see in the left-hand navigation bar, a, a link for oral history project. They'll also be included there as part of the larger project. The uh, oral histories of women's experience, is that just the experiences of women senators? No, we started with women senators, former women senators. That, that was our most important group we wanted to capture. But we have, in addition to that, interviewed many, many women who have served in a variety of roles in the Senate, some as chief of staff, some as uh, staff directors of committees, some directors of the administrative offices. Uh, some were pages, some of the, the very first female pages we had back in 1971 we have interviewed and, collect, and added to the collection. So it's a far-ranging collection both in position and in experience within the Senate community. Can you think of the most unique, you probably, so many things you've researched, but is there something that stands out as one of the most unique? For the oral history collection? Yes, or in any, or in in any aspect, yes. Well, the oral history collection, I think, is one of the most important and unique parts of it is this very personal view of the institution. And so we have an interview online, for instance, with a woman named Christine McCreary. And she was a Senate staffer back in the 1940s and 50s. And she was on the staff of Senator Stuart Symington for a while. And she was an African-American woman. And in her interview, she told us a story about how she helped to desegregate the Senate cafeterias in a time when Capitol Hill was largely widely segregated. And she told this wonderful story about how she went in day after day and just faced up to the hostility of those around them to prove that she belonged there and that she was a Senate employee just like everybody else and deserved to eat in the cafeteria just like everyone else. It was an act of courage and an act of perseverance. And, but it told us a lot about the Senate community at that time period, and it told us a lot about Christine McCreary and her own personal courage. And those are the kinds of stories that often come out in oral history interviews. This is probably, seems on its surface, a silly question, but why is your work important? Our work is important because we are, first of all, the institutional memory for the Senate. When they created the office back in 1975, the, the Senate leaders at that time, Mike Mansfield and Hugh Scott, 
gave us a mission. And our mission was to first make sure that Senate records are properly preserved and archived, and we work very hard to make sure that happens. And second, to promote the history of the Senate amongst the public, amongst the press, amongst students and teachers everywhere, so that the history of the Senate will be widely known and wouldn't be lost in the larger story of American political history. I'm going to conclude with something about the traditions of the Senate on the lighter side. I understand there are two traditions that are relatively well known. One is culinary and one is fashion. And the first one, culinary, is of course the famous Senate bean soup and Seersucker Thursdays. <laughs> I'll start with Seersucker Thursdays. We might start, since another generation may not know what Seersucker is. <laughs> tell us what Seersucker is and tell us about Seersucker Thursdays. Seersucker is a very specific kind of cloth. It's a lightweight cotton cloth that was popular in the summertime because it was good for hot, muggy weather like we get in Washington, D.C. And if you look at photographs of senators from the 1930s and 40s, you'll often find the, the summertime pictures of them wearing white seersucker suits because it was comfortable during the summer. Back in the 19, late 1980s, early 1990s, Senator Trent Lott of Mississippi decided he wanted to sort of honor that, culinary, that, that fashion tradition and created Seersucker Thursday. And so there's a Thursday in the month of June for every, every year, for many years, when a number of senators would come to work and then eventually staff got involved as well, would come to work in Seersuckers. Seersucker suits, skirts, pants, whatever the case may be. It has been less annual in recent years. It doesn't hit it every year, but whenever there is that day named that June Thursday, there are always a number of staff that still come to work in Seersucker suits. Before we uh, went on the air, you and I were talking about the estates, the third estate, the fourth estate. Tell uh, just a, a minute or so about our conversation about what estate, we're usually the fourth estate, but where are we at your of us? Well, I was explaining that our primary audience for the work we do is the Senate itself, senators and staff. Our secondary audience is mostly teachers and students who are doing projects or scholars who are writing books about the Senate. And I said our third most important audience is the press. It's the members of the press from ever, any type of media that come to us looking for background information to ask their questions. So we're saying in the Senate Historical Office, it's a little like the press is the third estate rather than the fourth estate. Well, on that note, we'll end. Thank you very much, Ms. Coed. We appreciate you so much. This is Janice Law for the Broadcast Committee of the National Press Club. Thank you. Thank you. Update One is a production of the National Press Club's Broadcast Podcast Committee. You can comment on this podcast or any episode of Update One by sending an email to Update One Podcast. That's Update the Number One Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to Update One. <laughs> <laughs>